January 1st, 1962. The Skrulls attack Earth. From deep in space come the Skrulls, a shape-changing alien race with one goal. Destroy the Fantastic Four and conquer Earth. Can Reed Richards come up with a plan to stop them in time? Welcome, true believers, to It Started on Yancey Street, a Fantastic Four podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Before I get started on this episode, I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you to everyone who checked out episode one. It means a lot more to me than I can probably ever explain. And I'll never ask for money or anything of that matter. Just if you feel so inclined to share this podcast, just share it with your friends. Show it to someone who doesn't know anything about the Fantastic Four, or show it to the most seasoned Marvel veteran out there. (laughs) Alright, so today we're kicking off with issue two. On the front cover we have a red caption box that says they had taken deadly oath to destroy the fantastic four they were merciless they were inhuman they had powers far greater than the earthmen they were scrolls from outer space and this four-part issue kicks off with the thing swimming towards what appears to be an oil rig striking at one of its supports causing it to collapse and sink to the bottom of the ocean as survivors barely escape near death uh, they catch a glimpse of the thing swimming away Meanwhile, at the same time, Susan Storm is in, quote, one of America's most expensive jewelry stores, where she's had the owner fetch out the most expensive gem from their vault, presenting it to her. Stating that the gem is worth $10 million, he's dumbfounded when Susan tells him that it's exactly what she's wanted. And he tells her that he never really expected anyone to buy that gem. And then suddenly, Susan Storm turns invisible and flees the scene. Security guards rush the owner, but he's crying for help unable to locate Susan. So, I'm sure you're beginning to see a pattern here. But, in the Midwest, a new war monument was being erected. A solid marble statue that the mayor says took five years to carve suddenly melts underneath Johnny Storm's blazing flyby, laughing as he burns the monument. And finally, we find Reed Richards extending a stretched arm into a power plant, shutting off all the lights in the city. He says, It is done. The city has been plunged into utter darkness. And a caption states, Can we believe our startled eyes? Is it possible that the Fantastic Four have really perpetrated those criminal acts? Or is there more to this than meets the eye? Fans of the series know the true culprits. But for those of you who are new to the Fantastic Four, it's assumed at this point that the Skrulls took the identity of the Fantastic Four to commit these crimes. With the entire nation hunting the real Fantastic Four, the Skrulls come together and show one another how they've accomplished these impersonations. The Thing shows that he didn't actually strike the oil rig, he had detonation plants in his hand. Invisible Girl didn't actually turn invisible, she just shrunk to a miniature size, and while they were looking for the invisible woman, she walked away. The Human Torch wasn't actually flaming on, he just had anti-gravity gear and some chemicals. And Mr. Fantastic as he's changing back into a scroll formation, is just stating that he's simply altered his body, just as all the scrolls do. And in a panel that I love, that I've actually screenshot as an image for the episode, we have the scrolls in a huddle. And one of them says, Now all that remains is for these earthlings themselves to hunt down and destroy the Fantastic Four. And once the Fantastic Four are slain, no power on Earth can stop the scroll invasion. So these perpetrators are turning society on the Fantastic Four, which they believe is their real biggest threat. And meanwhile, the real Fantastic Four are in an isolated hunting lodge, listening to the radio when they first learn of these treacherous acts committed in their disguise. 
The Thing, already under scrutiny for the way he looks, gets enraged when he thinks of a country setting off on a manhunt for them, as if they were monsters. The Thing begins losing his self-control and in a fit of rage starts hurling things across this lodge, launches a, a mummified bear's head out of a window. Reed attempts to cool him down by wrapping his arms around him and kind of holding him in place. What Reed wants to do is formulate a plan to discredit the accusations, while on the other hand, the thing wants to, and I quote, fight and smash. The other two members of the four tell Reed that the thing is getting out of control, and Reed feels that he's to blame. It states here that Reed says, It was my fault that our flight to Mars failed and we nearly lost our lives when we crash-landed on Earth. It was my fault that the cosmic rays of space turned Sue into a sometimes invisible girl. The same rays which made a powerful, brutal thing out of poor Ben. And it was because of my oversight that Johnny was transformed into a temporary human torch by those fantastic rays. While the composition of my own body... The atoms have been so changed that I can stretch and change myself into almost any conceivable shape. I can't punish the thing, Reed Richards says, when the fault is mine. The next page starts part two. Prisoner of the Scrolls, says the caption. And the, the yellow text here says, Even as the Fantastic Four ponder their next move, grim, silent figures stealthily creep toward their cabin like a horde of avenging wraiths. They're inside. They're planning their, you know, their innocent plea. And men in army drab start moving toward their location, weapons drawn, announcing their presence via megaphone once the perimeter has been surrounded. And then flash forward to less than an hour later, they're in a federal prison. The family is split up and placed in separate cells. But each of them, already intelligent enough, start devising a plan on how to escape because they need to escape this prison in order to prove their innocence. Which is backwards thinking, but it was the 60s. <laughs> Susan becomes invisible, and awaits for the soldiers to bring her her dinner. She slips past them when the cell door is open, bumping shoulders only with one soldier as she flees. They sound the alarm, but the other three have also found their escapes. The thing rams his cell wall until it comes down. Johnny, who is in an asbestos prison cell, and for those of you who don't know, asbestos was like flame retardant. It was made so houses couldn't burn down and stuff. He peels it all away until he finds an air vent, and he uses that to fuel his flames. And in his own cell, Reed slithers around looking for any crack or crevice to go through, and finally stretches his body through a loose rivet hole. Then the family is joined again, and they commandeer a helicopter for their transportation and escape from the prison. They rendezvous at one of their apartment hideouts, and they formulate a plan to draw out their imposters. And after a brief argument between Johnny and Ben, Johnny sets off to sabotage a rocket launch that the city had planned, hoping that this vandalism would attract the imposters. And their plan, obviously, works flawlessly. The imposter Susan and Reed wait for the real Johnny to get in their getaway car, bringing him back to their alien headquarters. But the ruse is quickly foiled when one of the scrolls realizes it's the real Human Torch. Worried that their exposure would ruin their mission to conquer Earth, the scrolls declare that the Human Torch must die. Johnny fires a distress flare that burns the number four in red in the sky above them, and then flames on, flying in a circle around the scroll imposter as acting as a makeshift prison. But 
someone wasn't accounted for, and that just so happened to be the imposter torch, who also flames on and knocks down the real torch, incapacitating him. Just as one of the squirrels raises a weapon at Johnny Storm, the rest of the family comes just in the nick of time. Reed interrogates the squirrels, threatening to unleash the thing on them if they do not cooperate. And the reason they did that was because the entire time he was, they were being interrogated, the thing was raging, just begging to, get, to lay hands on them. Now, the scrolls look over and see the thing lifting a dresser above his head trying to slam it down, and they comply immediately. They tell Reed everything about you know, what they're asking for. They say, we scrolls have an invasion fleet waiting above your atmosphere, but before we attack Earth, our leaders wanted to be sure that the Fantastic Four would be unable to fight us, for we know of your dread powers. Then, Reed's final action is to take the fight to the spaceship, because the only way to beat an imposter is to become an imposter. Now, they climb an unsuspecting water tower, which turns out to actually be a spaceship, and I honestly don't expect anything less from the Fantastic Four. They fly towards the Skrull mothership in space. Reed, masquerading as a Skrull who is still in disguise, announces that the Fantastic Four cannot be beaten, and that Earth's defenses were stronger than that of the mothership. He hands the alien leader a photo of monsters and says that the photograph is Earth's mightiest warriors. And in a caption, it says that the photos are just clippings from another comic book, Strange Tales, and Journey into Mystery. Now, to break through this narrative, I love this fourth wall break. And it's just super indicative of the times, and I just think it's amazing. The leader, or the captain of this mothership was feeling fear. Reed continues and says, and Earth has thousands of those hidden space mines which would destroy an invading army, not to mention an army of giant, monstrous insects ready to crush any alien invasion. And the captain of that mothership pulls back. Incredible! Unbelievable! We've got to leave this galaxy at once before those terrifying creatures discover us. If you hadn't warned me in time, we would surely have all been slain. Quickly, unmask and join us as we leave this accursed planet forever. And Reed, still pretending to be a scroll, says, No, we must stay behind and remove all evidence of our presence on Earth. We shall sacrifice ourselves so that you will be safe. The captain grabs a badge of honor and says, Never in our history has there been so noble a deed. Take this highest award of your bravery. To which Reed thinks to himself, You don't even know the half of it, brother. Sending back to Earth, they're met by the authorities. Reed attempts to reason with the law, saying that all the evidence they need is in their apartment. The police officers remain incredulous until they're met by a monster-sized snake upon opening the Fantastic Four apartment door. But, before I keep going, as they were descending back to Earth, the thing, savage, powerful, a juggernaut of destruction, cowers like a fright child as the spaceship plunges through the mysterious, cosmic belt, and then it happens. He returns back to his normal form of Ben Grimm. But just as quickly as he changed back, it's as if his molecules were being taken over by the thing again. Susan promises him that maybe it's getting weaker, and that maybe one day he might return to normal again. But going back to the action, a giant snake 
attacks this police officer, and behind the giant snake, a metallic spiked warrior attacks, swinging a spiked fist as a soaring eagle flies out the window. It was three scrolls that had awaited the Fantastic Four in their home, hoping that when they came home and opened the door, they could free themselves as prisoners, hoping to eliminate them with a surprise attack. The Fantastic Four apprehend the scrolls, and once they've reverted back to their normal form, the police officers have all the evidence they need to clear the Fantastic Four name. The police officer shows remorse for hunting the Fantastic Four the criminals, unaware that they had been stopping a planetary invasion the whole time. Now, before I keep going, there is a lot of contrast in the colors of the page between the metallic warrior and the giant snake. Now, the snake is just a, a plain old, it's like a green and yellow snake, and the metallic warrior is silver. But what makes the giant contrasts is the panel of the thing fighting the giant snake, the background is all yellow, and to show shadows of the police officers firing at the metallic warrior, they're all draped in red, which is a repeated process you'll notice in these earlier issues. But it's just something that really pops on the page, and if you get a chance, uh, I suggest reading through this as well, just to kind of admire the art. Our story comes to a conclusion with the police handing the space criminals to the Fantastic Four. Full custody and full responsibility lays on them. The scrolls beg for their lives, and Reed devises a plan on what their lives should become, stating that the scrolls would change into whatever he decided for them, and that he'd hypnotize them so they never remembered their previous lives. And in a final contemplation, they all look at each other, and the final panel says, And so it came to pass that the three captive scrolls became the most contented creatures on earth, as they grazed peacefully out in the pasture. And the final panel of this issue shows like a, a field, some trees, and three cows mooing. And their conversation ends the issue by saying, So ends the menace of the scrolls. And Ben Grimm says, Yeah, but I've got a feeling there's even worse trouble ahead. And Johnny Storm says, Hey, thing, how come you're such an optimist? The end. Issue 2 ends, introducing us to one of Marvel's most now iconic villains. I mean, in the movies, I guess they're turned out to be good guys, but in the comics, in the future, you know, from this point on, Marvel had no idea what the Skrulls could amount to. And it's funny to see their humble beginnings in this issue, especially the way the issue ends. And it leaves me wondering, whatever happened to those three cows in the pasture? Did they ever go back and check on them, or...? I guess that's just a mystery for the Fantastic Four to figure out sometime in the future, or when they travel back in time to fix it. But, thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it around with your friends. And... I'll see you next time when we discuss the greatest comic magazine in the world, where we meet the Fantasticar in colorful new Fantastic Four costumes. Also, we learn the secret of the Fantastic Four skyscraper hideout coming up in issue three. Thank you. <laughs>